listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast that's designed to help you save your marriage, even if you're at the beginning of it, but certainly if you're in the middle of a marriage crisis. In fact, today we are focused on what you do when you are in the midst of a marriage crisis. How do you manage the storm of emotions that hits everyone that's involved in a marriage crisis? And now, first of all, let's talk about the fact that it is absolutely normal to have a strong emotional response. I mean, let's face it, this is that relationship. This was supposed to be the relationship that walked you through the rest of your life, and that's part of the issue here. You know, I've talked about how when you uh, say, I do, something happens. There's a shift that happens in you. I talk about it as the potential of becoming a we. Not that everybody makes it to we. In fact, that's part of what happens in the midst of a marriage struggle. So let's just kind of step back a minute and talk about how we get to here. You see, whenever a relationship starts, it starts with two people, just a you and a me. And, and so at some point, you and me say, oh, wow, we're attracted to each other. We want to go, get to know each other better. And over time, you and me gets to be more of a tight group where it really is you and me, a unit, right? Before it was, there's a you, there's a me. Now there's a you and me. And as that progresses, as that joins together, you uh, fall in love. That's where we get that place of infatuation in the beginning, that strong chemistry that draws you together, that wants you to get to know each other more and more, and you feel stronger and stronger as a you and me. And so at some point, the couple says, let's make this permanent. Let's go get married. And so however that goes, however that proceeds, you get to the place where you have what I consider to be a fairly short ceremony. I mean, I remember it for myself, and that's about 30 years ago, I remember the fact that we went in to this chapel, small little chapel up in the mountains, and it was, there were just the two of us, you and me, right? There was my wife and me. And when we came out, it was us as a couple. We, we had united in, in a 40, 45-minute service where Everybody around us was there, and we talked about that in the service, what we pledged. We talked about how we would hang together no matter what kind of day it was, right? Good days, bad days, sick days, uh, healthy days, poor days, rich days, all those days in between, and how we would make sure we kept the rest of the world away, forsaking all others. And in that process, there's something that's potential for an alchemistic change from you and me to we. There's a possibility for that to happen. But the potential is there, not necessarily the actualizing. In fact, I would say that that process of becoming a we happens over time after you say, I do. Because now you, you, you say, you know, now we've promised to be together forever. And so there's something permanent in that that makes you relax, or at least it allows the possibility of relaxing into this reality that you're in it together. You're it there. But a lot of times, couples keep thinking about you and me, you and me, right? And they never make it to we are a team, we're a unit. And over time, you and me starts to get a little bit stressed until it becomes you versus me, and we arrive at a marriage crisis, The problem is there is a part of us that knows that it was about we. The part where we actualize it in a relationship isn't there, but the fact that we kind of knew somewhere within us that was what the goal was, 
And so when we don't make it to we, it begins to be a bit painful. The connection gets to be tough. And still, when there's a marriage crisis, because of that promise to be together and because of the history you have together and because of all the connections you have, it's emotionally painful. In fact, research shows that, and you probably know this by experience, that not only is an emotional pain, it's a physical pain. I mean, people talk about how this emotional pain of a marriage crisis fits into their physical life. Um, And pains can be in their head, their neck, their back, their stomach, all over. And they feel the excruciating pain. You might be feeling that excruciating pain of the emotional crisis, which raises the question of what do you do in the middle of this emotional crisis so that your emotional state does not get in the way of your process to save your relationship. Here's why we want to talk about this. When you're raw, when you're on edge, when you're emotionally hurting, it's easy to get wrapped up into the things that don't really matter. It's easy to have those conversations with a spouse that don't really help that actually cause damage. It's easy to get sucked into situation after situation. Even as you try to pull yourself out, it's easy to get sucked back in And then what you notice happens is your chances start getting pulled down. You start reacting in ways you don't really want to because you're so raw. And you start having a difficult time finding other ways of moving through the process, finding other ways of relating to your spouse, even finding the desire to try, finding the desire to try to change who you are and where the relationship was headed and and all of the other pieces that I talk about as a piece of the process. Remember, there are those three areas that need the focus of how you connect with your spouse and change yourself and create a new path. So if you are emotionally in pain, it's very hard to connect with your spouse. If you're emotionally in pain, it's hard to look beyond that and change yourself. And if you're emotionally in pain, it's hard to imagine wanting to walk towards being more of a we, trying to get to that new path. So part of what we want to talk about is how you possibly can get to the place where you're not stuck, where you're actually able to manage the emotional storm that comes your way, where you can find the strength to do that. And so today, I want to actually highlight five different ways to manage those emotions, none of which are to pretend you're not having them. This is about managing and using those emotions to move to a different place. So let's talk about these five ways that you can work to manage your emotions. The first one is perspective. What I mean by that is to understand this from a little bit more of a distance. A little research uh, showed years ago that if a couple simply wrote about their arguments from an objective perspective. They imagine themselves to be kind of the reporter on the scene telling both sides of the story that the relationship actually improved. Without therapy, without intervention, without anything else, just that simple fact that both people were describing their arguments from an objective situation. Have you ever had that time when you uh, were really upset about something and then you told someone what happened? The other person didn't have to say a thing. But as you're listening to yourself tell the story, you say, you know, it really doesn't sound like that big of a deal after all. Have you ever had that experience? Well, what happened in that is you gain some perspective. Now, let me be perfectly clear that I'm not saying that what's going on in your relationship is nothing after all. I'm talking about the power of changing perspective. 
to be able to step back a little bit and think about this from a bit of a different perspective. See that your current spot is never the prediction of where you end up. So let me tell you how that perspective happens. If you are in the middle of a crisis, it's easy to go, okay, this is how it's going to be. It's going to go terribly, and we're going to end up divorced and all these other things that you build up in your mind that are mostly fear-based, rather than stepping back and saying, okay, this is where we are right now. This is not where we have to be tomorrow, next week, a year, six months, a year, whatever, down the, load, down the road. Where we are is not necessarily predictive of where we'll be. And that's a perspective switch because sometimes when we get so lost, so close to something, it feels like however it is right now, well, that's how it's going to be. There's a lot of research that shows that we don't do a good job of predicting how we're going to feel down the road too. And that's part of what happens in this process. You probably have found yourself asking your spouse if your spouse can see things differently down the road, and then you're devastated when they say, no, I can't see how anything could possibly change. I can't see how my feelings could possibly change down the road. The fact is that none of us do a good job of forecasting our future feelings. In other words, I can't tell you how I'm going to feel on Tuesday of next week or Thursday of next week or Saturday of next week or even probably how I'm going to feel tomorrow evening. I have no way of saying that. So whatever I tell you, it's going to be an assumption. So if you ask me, how am I going to feel tomorrow? I I might tell you something, but it's probably based mostly on how I'm feeling right now. And then if you take that in as fact and start acting on that, it may have nothing to do with reality. See, that's a perspective switch. If we can say, okay, my spouse doesn't want to work on this now, That doesn't mean they won't want to work on it down the road. Where we are now is not necessarily where we will be down the road. We're changing perspective. Part of what we're doing is changing the perspective back to where we are now. What I need to handle now, not what I need to worry about down the road. Remember that right now you're starting at disconnection. That's where you start from. And so if you're surprised that your spouse can't see a way to connect, remember that you're starting from disconnection. That doesn't mean there's not a way to get to connection. It just means they can't see it from where they are. The fog has set in. The path is a little bit fogged over for them. And so if you ask them, can you see how to do that? Can you see us getting, being together? Can you see us working this out? Frankly, no. But that's okay because that's not a capacity of something anybody could do at this point. You're committed to working towards it, but you may not even be able to see how that path moves forward. So understand if you're committed to it and you're not clear, it's going to be very hard for somebody who's not committed to it right now to see the path. Whenever you ask someone how they're going to feel down the road, remember they don't know. Whenever you try to think of what's going to happen down the road, remember you don't know. So perspective means to pull yourself back from the long-term forecasting of how your spouse is going to feel and how things are going to work out and what can happen from here and go with the fact that where you are now is where you are. And that's the perspective to back up a little bit and try to be as objective in your viewpoint as possible. Which brings us to the next way to manage the emotions that you're feeling, and that is to create a plan. Create a written plan, not a plan that somewhere is in your head or is on some scratch pad somewhere or maybe it hasn't even been considered. You need a written plan. This is one of those exercises I start with when I'm working with somebody as a client. I ask them to write down their plan. 
their plan has to include several things. The first thing it has to include is the whys. Why are they saving their relationship? What's the reason for it? We all have reasons, but a lot of them are fear-based. So if you were to sit down and write down, let's say, 10, 15 different reasons why you're saving your relationship, and then you went back and you looked and asked yourself, is this fear-based? For instance, you're going to lose something or you're not going to have access to something. That's fear-based. You know, I'm, I'm going to lose um, finances. That's one that is probably true, but that's a fear-based I'm going to lose access to the kids. I'm going to lose access to the house I love. I'm going to lose friends in this. I mean, there are lots of ways. I'm going to lose half my retirement. Lots of things that can be fear-based. I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to have a place to live. All fear-based. Then if you go back and you look, you're probably going to notice that there are some others that are more aspirational-based. Ones like, I want to honor the commitment. I want to do things differently than my family did growing up. I want my kids to see how you work through problems. I want to find a lasting love. Those are big whys. They are aspirational whys that can keep you moving. And so you want to strip away the fears and keep the aspirational ones. That's the first part of your plan. The next part of your plan follow those three areas I described earlier. The first one is how specifically, specifically how, Are you planning on connecting with your spouse? You can't just say, I plan to be more connected with my spouse. How? What are you going to do? Are you going to use my one-way text or my tagalongs? Are you going to make an apology letter like I recommend? Are you going to do all of those pieces? Are you going to do other things? Maybe you follow uh, the Gary Chapman stuff on love languages. Great things to put in there on the connection piece. Are you going to focus on the physical, the emotional, and spiritual ways of connecting? Are you going to make sure that those steps are in your plan? The next piece is your, uh, your own changing, how you're going to change yourself. Now, this isn't how you fix yourself, because I don't know you. I'm not saying that you're broken. I'm just saying that we all have places we need to change, grow, and be better. And so this is your opportunity of growing into those places. Maybe it's the things that a spouse has been saying over the years, you need to change, right? Or maybe you hear it from friends. You keep doing this. You keep getting stuck here. You need to grow and change, right? So that's the section of how you change yourself. The third section is how you create that new path, how you build a we, how you might make decisions differently, look at money differently, look at parenting differently, look at sex differently. All those areas that I talk about in my system that are kind of symptomology of whether you're at we or not we. And that creates your plan. When I say creates, meaning it's written down. The nice thing about when you have written down plans is that then you can always have a framework. When you feel lost, which is really part of what spurs those emotions, you have a place to step back into. Part of what happens when we have emotional moments is we don't know what to do next. The plan gives you what to do next. It gives you the framework. It tells you the actions and reminds you of the whys. And that can get you through the stuck times, the emotional times. The third way to manage your emotions is self-care. Really to be focused on the fact that you have to have the energy coming in in order to put the energy out. You have to be able to take care of yourself in ways uh, that are going to help you overall. I want you to think of these emotional uh, roller coasters as kind of like measuring cups. Let's say that you're tired, you're not eating well, you're not exercising and getting the care you need, and so your emotional level is already kind of high. You're already on edge. Is it going to take a lot from your spouse 
to pour over the side of that and have an emotional outburst, right? It just pours right over the measuring cup because it's already almost full. But what if you took care of yourself? So you were well-rested, you had enough rest. Remember, too much rest can indicate that you're not coping either, but you've got enough rest. You're nourishing yourself in the right ways. You're handling your stress in the right ways. And you're also exercising to kind of burn off some of that excessive emotional energy. Now, when you're doing that, the measuring cup is a lot lower. There's a lot more room for when your spouse is tossing stuff your way. You can absorb it better and not have that same emotional overflow. So the third way of doing self-care is by making sure you manage self-care. That's how you manage your emotions, by managing your self-care. You want to make sure that you focus on your self-care as a method of managing those emotions. The fourth way is finding support. Get some people on your side, on your team. This doesn't mean they have to be on your team like they side with you against your spouse. In fact, you don't want that at all. You want some unbiased supporters. You want to ask them for support, not their opinion, not their beliefs, but their support. Sometimes I recommend that people find, you know, they're kind of their cheerleaders. And what they say to their cheerleaders is, I want you to cheer me on, not coach me, right? And, and that's a, an interesting way of, of kind of thinking through your support network. Do you have people who are telling you what to do? Those are the coaches. You don't need those. They're on the sideline coaching you on how you need to play the game. You want the cheerleaders who are cheering you on as you play the game. Rah, rah, keep going. That's what cheerleaders do. And when you're, you're losing, they're telling you to come back, right, to hold on, to keep pushing through. And when you're winning, they're cheering you on for doing your good stuff. Those are the people you want, the cheerleaders. If somebody starts coaching, remind them that they're your cheerleader. You know that it comes from a good place. They know, you know they're trying to help you. But you've already picked your game plan. That's your plan. You've already picked your outcome that you want. That's to save your relationship. You need cheerleaders on your side to keep patting you on the back and keep you motivated and keep you going and keep you feeling good. That's what the cheerleaders are for. That's your support team. The fifth way to manage your emotions is stop reading tea leaves. Stop reading tea leaves. We read tea leaves, you know, that's, that's an old, I've talked about this before on other things, because this is such a real piece for me. Uh, when I was a kid, I was a magician and, and knew the sideshow people, the carnies that came into town. And one of them was a gypsy woman who told fortunes looking at the tea leaves. And I remember she, would, she had this broken china glass. She'd put her tea in there, put a little hot water, swirl it around, take a sl- slurp from it, and then look at it and tell you your fortune from the leftovers in the bottom, the patterns that she would read. And so she was reading tea leaves. And I thought, wow, that's a powerful metaphor we have there of don't read tea leaves. Tea leaves is looking at a pattern or at least what you assume to be a pattern and assuming that means something into the future. It's about making assumptions and we have emotional reactions based on that assumption of direction. You have something that happens and you start reading that as a clue, trying to tell you something moving forward. The problem with it is it is about assumptions. You are assuming what something means without knowing whether that's based based in reality. In fact, it's based in something else. And what the tea leaf reading is almost always based in is fear. We always read in everything for the worst. Rarely do I hear someone say, hey, I saw this happen. I think that means something good's coming, 
right? They're usually saying, I saw this and I think that means we're in trouble, right? So when we're reading tea leaves around a marital crisis, we're often reading it in a negative way. So when you find yourself seeing that your spouse does something or doesn't do something, your spouse says something or doesn't say something, and you make an assumption about what that means going forward, like, oh, those are the tea leaves I need to understand as we move forward. Remember, no tea leaf reading. All that does is it bubbles up the fears and makes the emotions even more raw. Okay, so that's part of what we want to work on as you move forward is to make sure you're trying to manage your emotional state in as healthy a way as you can. This is not about denial. It's not about pretending there's not a crisis. It's understanding that you don't know where the crisis is going to go from where you are. And you're committed to working through and moving towards something better. So you do that by shifting your perspective, by creating a plan, a written down plan, by taking care of yourself, by finding support with cheerleaders, and by not reading tea leaves. Now, there are links in the show notes on how you can find more about that uh, on all those different areas. So you can listen to other podcasts where I describe each of those in more detail. And if you need an approach that's going to help you put that together and move forward, please, please grab my Save the Marriage system. You can find that at savethemarriage.com. And when you have a chance, after you go to savethemarriage.com and you start grabbing the system, you're going to be offered an opportunity for a free week of my VIP virtual coaching. Grab it. It's free. It's complimentary. All you have to do is sign up for it and take advantage of that where I have tools. I even have a fill-in-the-blank plan to save your marriage. You can do your plan right there. I have a way of planning your day to make sure your day starts off at the best possible place and keeps you moving forward. We also provide coaching in there and a, a secret Facebook group that the only way you can be in is as a member of that group. Lots of resources that are available to you. And as a part of that, right now at least, until uh, we have too many people taking it, I'm giving you a complimentary session, a get started session with one of my coaches, 15, 20 minute session to get you rolling, make sure you're moving in the right direction. That's part of how you manage this anxiety, how you manage this emotion that's coming your way. It's to make sure that you have the equipment, the tools that you need. And the starting point for that is savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.